on Jesus' last night with his disciples, recruited or recorded for us in John chapter 15. Jesus said these words to his disciples in verses 18 to 21. He said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. It was with this truth in mind that Paul told Timothy in his second letter, chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so as we prepare to to come and pray for the persecuted church, the first thing I I want you to hear is is Jesus' promise, His his, his prophecy that His people will face persecution. And that includes you. You will face persecution. This morning we'll be praying for, for those who are Persecuted. When we, when we hear that language, when we hear those words, we, we think of those whose lives or whose, whose property or whose freedom is threatened by their government or uh, by their neighbors because they confess Jesus Christ as Lord. But by God's grace, we don't face that type of persecution. Most, most of us have, have not felt that fear. But make modus, mo, no mistake... If you seek to follow Christ, you will face persecution. All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. If you confess Christ before men, if you, if you confess Christ before family members and, and neighbors and, and co-workers, if you call them to repentance, if you call them to, to faith, you will be persecuted. By some, you will be ridiculed as, as, as silly or as naive for, for believing such superstitions. But by others, you will be hated because you dare to suggest that they are under the wrath of God. If you confess Christ before men and, and seek to honor Him in the workplace, you will be persecuted. Maybe by your boss, maybe by your co-workers, maybe by your employees, but there will be consequences. There will be times where you have to to choose between following Christ and advancing your career. If you confess Christ before men and, and speak up for His righteousness and His kingdom and His mercy in the public square, you will be persecuted. By some, you will thought be thought to be intolerant. By others, you will thought to be weak and Naive. But one way or the other, you will be persecuted. By God's grace, we do not yet face what many face in Afghanistan or or North Korea or Iraq, places for which we will be praying this morning. But if you seek to follow Christ, even here in the United States, you will face persecution. And that persecution will only intensify in the years 
ahead. So how are we to make sense of that persecution? How are we to to make sense of of the fact that, that, that we will face such trials? I want to very briefly give you three truths that I think help us to make sense of persecution. First, persecution does not mean that God has forsaken you. Remember what Jesus said to His disciples in Matthew 28, right before He, he gave them what we call the Great Commission to go out and make disciples of, of all nations. Uh, he, he said to them, or actually right after that, He said to them, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He, he gave them this charge and He said, And I will go with you as you seek to fulfill it. I will be with you even to the end of the age. And when we hear that, we, we sometimes think that that means it should be easier, that we should, we should have success upon success upon success, but that's not what is being promised. Think of the familiar words of, of Psalm 23. We read that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But what does the psalmist go on to say? What does, what does David say? He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, So with the Lord as his shepherd, with the the promise that he shall not want, David still knows that he will be called to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. We see the same thing in Isaiah 43. We hear this resounding promise, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. You are mine. You are my chosen people. I will bless you. But then he says, And when you pass through the waters, and when you Pass through the fires. You will not be overwhelmed. You will not be burned. But you will pass through the trials. The fact that Jesus is with us does not mean that we will avoid persecution. It does not mean that it will be easy. But it means that His grace will be sufficient to sustain us. So that you are facing persecution is not, does not mean that you have been forsaken but rather it is the context within which you will experience His faithfulness. And we must remember that. Because that leads us to the second truth. The second truth is that persecution does not mean that your good has been lost or forfeited. It doesn't mean that that God's intentions for you have failed. The promise of Romans 8 still stands. God is working for good And there is nothing in all of creation, whether visible or invisible, that can separate you from His love. But of course we must ask, what good? What is the good that God is working? And Paul tells us in the very next verse that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. So the question is this. Do you truly believe... That being conformed to the image of Christ is your highest good. Given the choice, what would you choose? Health, wealth, and prosperity? Or sanctification? What would you choose? A life of of personal affluence and ease? Or holiness? We must allow the Holy Spirit to teach us That holiness is our greatest good. That it is what God calls us to because it is His greatest blessing. 
And this is why James can say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Not because the trials themselves are good, but because the trials are working good for those who pass through them by the mercy of God. And that really is the bottom line. Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted. This was Jesus' promise. He he not only promised that His followers would be persecuted, He promised that they would be blessed in their persecution. Listen again to what He says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not for for doing wrong, not for being uh, an idiot, not for, for, for doing foolish things, but blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for, re- for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who went before you. The persecuted are blessed. Not because persecution is good in itself, but because it reveals and grows our faith. This is true for those around the world. It's it's why we we pray not first that their persecution would be relieved. It's it's good to pray that. It's good to pray that they would know peace. It's good to pray that the governments would back off and, and leave them alone. It's good that they would experience freedom. But that is not the first request. It's not even the first request that they themselves ask for. Rather, they ask that they would be blessed in their persecution. They ask that they would, they would know the, uh, the, the power to, to love their enemies and to, to, to share the good news of the gospel. They ask that they would be sustained to stand firm in a way that brings honor to the name of their, their Savior. They ask that they would be, they would be strengthened to, to love their neighbor even as they themselves are suffering. This is what they ask because this is where their good is found. And we must believe that the same is true for us. And therefore, as we pray for the persecuted church this morning, let us learn how we ought to be praying for ourselves as well. Yes, we we do not yet suffer in the same ways, but we ought to be raising the same prayers. It is not just for them over there that we pray that we would be strengthened to stand firm, that we would be strengthened to love our enemies, that we would be strengthened to confess Christ even in hard situations. But it is even for the church here, it is even for Trinity, that we should pray these things. And so as we pray for them, Let us learn how to pray for ourselves. Because it is true. The Lord God Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, is our help and our refuge. He is for us and He is working for our good. Therefore, let us ask Him to pour out the blessings that He has already promised. That we might know in full the wonders of the gospel of Jesus Christ and every spiritual blessing that is ours in Him. Let us pray together. Father God, we ask. We ask that that You would open our eyes to the wonder of the good that You are working for us. That you, you would open our eyes to the wonder of the good that you are working for your people around the world. Father, we struggle to make sense of the persecution that your people face. We, we, we struggle to make sense of the trials and the, the tribulations that you call us to pass through. But Father, may we begin to see that those trials do not mean that we have been forsaken but rather that they are the avenue by which we will experience your faithfulness. Father God, may may You give us this grace, even this morning we pray, as we believe and stand upon Your promises. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.